Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. In this final monthly market insights of 2020, Phil Attreed, Head of Investment Consulting, talks to Will Hobbs, Chief Investment Officer, about a most unusual 12 months and what we can expect from the year ahead. Hello and welcome to the final edition of Monthly Market Insights for what has been a, frankly, truly extraordinary 2020. Um, This time, Will Hobbs, our Chief Investment Officer, and myself will try to briefly and almost certainly somewhat prematurely call time on 2020 uh, and look forward to what comes next year. Um, So, Will, it's it's not a trick question. Uh, How would you recap 2020 in a couple of sentences? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's not easy, Phil. I think the first thing to point out is that it's been a tragic year. So, you know, years of death have been brought forward, something we're all aware of. But aside from the sort of the directly human cost, you know, there's been unbelievable kind of economic disruption. So, you know, the the ILO, the Inter- International Labour Organization, estimated that around 80% of the world's workforce back at the end of April was in some kind of disrupted or worse relationship with their employer. You know, you had around 1.4 billion young uh, people uh, furloughed from education. So, you know, the disruption's been enormous. But I think for investors, the, um, the fact that policymakers responded with similar kind of scale in a way uh, relative to those kind of problems uh, that they responded so forcefully that has been in, a, in many ways the kind of dominant thing to think about this year that that policymaker response particularly in the context of a sort of market amongst many investors you and I know uh, you know going into this recession the feeling was that policymakers were out of bullets so to speak um, that they wouldn't have any room to do anything when the next crisis came and that has been for, for a number of reasons been produced proved um, substantially wrong and that that in a way has been one of the big stories of, um, of this year. Right. And I mean, the incredible degree of support that you mentioned is important in how we as investors should really be thinking about the outlook for 2021. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, in some ways, I mean, you know, it's kind of interesting because, you know, right now, and this is a bit of a generalization as usual, um, but, you know, you can sort of broadly classify investors into two big camps at the moment. You know, the first camp are those who believe that the next decade will be much like the last, that you won't see much in the way of growth and inflation. And therefore, you know, you see just a continuation that this this recession sort of almost accelerates some of that in a way, that the sort of trend towards the world ending up uh, like Japan economically. Um, and for investments on that, you know, you keep very much the same kind of toolkit as you had before. You know, you think about sort of growth stocks, gold, government bonds are less less of a place, but probably still some place in that world. The other sort of camp are those that believe that this pandemic, and more specifically to your point, you know, the response to this pandemic from policymakers has likely changed the outlook, um, that inflation is likely more of a thing, more of a threat. Uh, going forward in the context of that policy response among many other things, and that the world could be quite different in the decade ahead. And, you know, that the investment toolkit you need to sort of meet that world looks quite different, to be honest, you know, because, you know, some of the trends we've been seeing recently, you know, the performance of so-called value companies, broader commodities, some of those things sort of would prosper in, in another world. And certainly sort of, you know, those government bonds and so on would not be such a good uh, good defense in those worlds. So, this is this is really a moment in history, I think, and we'll look back from from a couple of years hence 
uh, and maybe say one one thing or other, or maybe neither. Uh, but I think the point from us is, is is a familiar one, which is that you can't just bet all of your uh, put all, all of your eggs in one basket on one vision of the future, because this crisis and the response to this crisis really have been something quite different. Quite. Uh, but it, I mean, I suppose in the shorter term, how long in your view and in the team's view should we as investors really expect before some of these vaccination programs that we've seen, you know, in the press in recent weeks, how long they start or how long will they take, sorry, you know, to return us to some semblance of normality? Yeah, I mean, this is where... I guess the high efficacy rates that we're seeing from some of these vaccines are quite helpful because that means essentially you need to vaccinate less in the population to get to that kind of fabled you know, herd immunity level. You know, so obviously there are a number of things that go into this, you know, in terms of sort of take up acceptance and, you know, an absence of major kind of distribution slip ups. But kind of most sober voices seem to be saying that sort of, you know, mid to late summer is a kind of plausible time when you could be reaching that herd immunity and therefore return to some form of economic normality. But I, I think you're, you know, the point here we have to make is that it won't be the old normal underneath, you know, while we've been locked away and, you know, distancing and so on, the underlying economy has changed. The world has taken this kind of digital leap forward. We've taken, we've talked about that before, but there have been many other changes besides in a way, it's changes to our behaviors, our shopping habits, our, our, our daily lifestyles. Some may persist. And we don't, you know, as you know, we don't, we're not, we're wary of those who would be overconfidently predicting what that future likes and looks like. Uh, you know, Rob Smith always talks about the Dunning-Kruger effect, where your skill is uh, directly, uh, inversely proportionate to your confidence, or your confidence is directly inversely proportionate to your skill uh, in this area. The louder and more noisy and uh, more authoritative you are, the less you should be trusted. Uh, so again, I think we'd urge investors to keep an open mind. And that's really what our strategic asset allocation, how we do that, is all about. Right. I mean, that leads me quite nicely on to the next question. As investors, you've talked about how, you know, the vaccines, the introduction of vaccines is almost an invitation for us to invest in a globally diversified portfolio or, or a fund. I, I get that. Um, but maybe you could unpack maybe the link a little bit more clearly. So, Phil, this is this is the direct link between innovation and profits growth and shareholder returns, basically. And I, I can illustrate it a number of ways. But my, my favorite example, I guess, is is, is the is the humble shipping container. And the interesting thing here is that, you know, back when it was first brought in, you know, you think about what preceded that. It was sort of you know crates of uneven size that had to be packed and um, unpacked individually, those kind of things. Now, the introduction of crates, all of identical size, easily, you know, security was better, so on, all of them able to be offloaded and unloaded, lorries, trains, so on and so on. Well, there are estimations that this reduced costs associated with containers shipping directly in terms of labor costs, insurance, theft and breakage costs by 49-fold. So an enormous, uh, oh, sorry, no, 39-fold per ton of cargo. So an enormous saving. It also was seen to proliferate trade or expand trade between countries with ports eightfold. So there was just huge effects from this very sort of simple sounding innovation. So what that meant was that there was more growth and it was more widely spread. So all companies that were in the various areas all benefited from that and shareholders in those companies benefited because there was more corporate profits. Now, in this situation, if you think about it, you know, your vaccine can do two things. So one, which is a little bit sort of, you know, more of a leap of faith, I guess, is that you could argue, or some are arguing at the moment, that actually the cost benefits of investment 
in um, healthcare and vaccines has dramatically changed in the aftermath of this crisis. The costs of not having vaccines and advanced uh, or more advanced healthcare have become much more apparent. So investment in that area becomes uh, much more attractive, and that could potentially increase life expectancies over time. Some are actually forecasting that quite plausibly, in my opinion, that you could have a, see a scenario where actually now we see life expectancies regain some momentum in the aftermath of this crisis. The second more tangible point, I think, is that it alludes to the existence of in innovation. When people talk about, you know, we've ceased to innovate meaningfully, that's just not necessarily true. And I think this, you know, this, the incredible race for a vaccine shows that where accumulated scientific knowledge is met with the right incentives, there's amazing things that can be achieved in a very short space of time. And, and that's going to be necessary, as we know, the, the planet has daunting challenges ahead. Um, but I think this does illustrate that actually, in the right incentive structure that we have, we are capable of achieving extraordinary things in a very short space of time. Absolutely. Still lots of very interesting things out there in the future for us to get invested in and, and, and to profit from. So finally, last point, and in the coming days, we'll be recording some thoughts from uh, from the wider team on the outlook for 2021 and obviously sharing those w with clients, listeners and, and, and viewers. Any teasers there for us in terms of what uh, what we might look forward to from the team? Yeah, I mean, there'll be far less of a buzzkill about it than I am, obviously, because all I would tend to say is that the future is unknowable and we can't even have a guess at it. But uh, you can, and the guys who are on uh, will do a much better job of it than I am. So JP will sort of bring his usual you know, asset allocation lens to it and looking at some of the various paths ahead and how they are priced in terms of capital markets. So, you know, where you could have advantage from leaning. Rob Smith, obviously, it's been a you know, I think in all the years that you could have had to sort of be a watching from a behavioral vantage point, this would be one of the greatest in a way from market behavior to even just sort of consumer behavior. So he'll have more than enough to cover in that outlook. Um, outlooks dominant. And then we've got Ian Aylward as well, who obviously gives us a little bit more on the sort of responsible investing side. Uh, what we have seen this year, as you know, is a a significant increase uh, in interest in this area of investments. Uh, and he's in charge of our responsible investing, both accessing it fund, um, but also sort of, you know, more importantly, some of the ways that we go about doing it and embedding it in the way that we work here at Barclays, as you know. Fantastic. And of course, they'll be released through our usual Word on the Street podcast. Thanks, Will. Some really useful insight there to get us through to the end of the year. That just leaves me to thank you, our viewers, for joining us uh, again and throughout 2020. And to also wish you and your families a safe and enjoyable festive period, whatever that entails. And if you would like to hear more from us before the next monthly market insights, in particular, as we see the Brexit timetable unfolding over the coming weeks, please do seek out that weekly Word on the Street podcast, plus the specials that we tend to release from time to time if there is breaking news. Otherwise, we very much look forward to welcoming you back in what we all hope will be a very different 2021. All investments can fall as well as rise in value, and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation.